it's so I do too so last last week we had there's so many like it's one thing about this book there's so many truths it's like truth after truth after truth it's like doctrine like you know um just the basics of christianity are like just saturating this book like every part of it there's not like a and then they traveled to so and so and the crowd was pressing upon jesus and the disciples were going crazy or anything like that it's just like dude in this the children of god and the children of the devil are manifest whoever does not practice righteousness is not of god nor is he who does not love his brother it's like do you don't get that? what more do you want from this book you know it's awesome but um regarding to a truth we talked about last week just to prep for this week you know we talked about redirecting um our love that we would normally have for this world and re redirecting it and diverting it and doing a sort of say u-turn of repentance and redirecting it towards the father and we also talked about the urgency um that we have you know it's this is little children it is a last hour you know um to us evangelical fundamentalist bible believing christians we know that it is the last hour mm -hmm. you know and we are to live as if it were as as, as you prayed ryan you know um, as if we were already there. We were to practice what we read and what we preach as if Jesus was right there with us, like if he gave us the stage or something in heaven for some odd reason, which would never happen. But um, <laughs> it's just good to be on alert and just be ready, you know. Um, we also talked about discerning anti-christological people who you know might seem quote-unquote anointed or might seem that you know super spiritual and you know but there's little hints that we see in their lives that you know we start it starts just causing like a short circuit in our head like joey always says you know it's just like a glitch somewhere somehow and we see it or we spot it from afar and then it's just like a little warning sign you know um, kind of like the ships when they would yell out repent they would throw out these firing uh, these cannons across their bow so that they would repent noticing that there's a storm that they might not see but you know to us we might see those people that have like these weird agendas or just you know just extra biblical you know blah you know whatever fill in the blank um we also touched upon the total opposite of that, which was an anointing that we received from Jesus, from the Holy One, as in verse uh, 20 of chapter 2. You know, just the, the, everything, the entire package, you know, the fact that he died on the cross, the fact that he rose on the third day, the fact that he presented himself to 500 eyewitnesses that felt and saw and hung out with Jesus. You know, Thomas, you know, putting his fingers in, the, in 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 the wounds and seeing you know just everything 
And Jesus responding to him is like, do you believe now? You know, he's he's asking, he's giving him the responsibility to respond to a resurrected Christ. He's giving him the choice, you know, to see and believe. You know, and that's what we give to people, you know. And now, you know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're going to talk about why he's there in this next little passage is just i'm i'm excited i might not seem like it but i am <laughs> but um you know what do we mean what do we when we preach and teach and proclaim these truths to maybe baby christians or just our families you know just the intimacy when we say intimacy with god as we talked about last week intimacy with the triune nature of God, not only God the Father, but God the Son. And today we're going to talk about God the Holy Spirit. Just the intimacy that, you know, how do we explain that? How do we talk about that to people, that you have intimacy with your Savior? It's like, dude, I, I had an awesome conversation today. And the one thing that just kept coming up was intimacy. I know the Lord. I know Jesus. I know what he did for me. I know God. I know that he sent his son. And the reason why his son left this earth was to give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's it. That's the entire package right there. And so it, it is just like, I know that. I know that. I know that that is truth. And it was beautiful. Like he just didn't, they didn't get that. People just don't naturally get that. But it comes through, as we read in verse 20, the anointing that Jesus gives us. You know, just that oil that he pours onto us as we we seek him, we go into, in, into our, you know, uh, just quiet place with him. You know, he gives us an anointing. He gives us fresh manna and he gives us oil just to last us for however long that we might be emptied out and filled up again. And so I just love that. I love that that devotional time and that anointing that comes through knowing and experiencing God, you know, fully. So uh, let's start off verse 22 through 23. Well, actually, we'll read the whole thing, the whole passage. Um, I'm going to read uh, verse 20 again. Just to remind us, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also, also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as he has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this word and just the fullness, Lord, the, the, just how rich it is. Lord, how just full of your character, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for speaking through John, just even reading this right now. Lord, <laughs> we, don't, we don't even need to go into it, Lord. This is it. This is your word, your pure, undefiled word. Lord, and we thank you that we have it and we can enjoy it. And Lord, we're not to take it for granted. But Lord, we, we want to know you. We want to know the depths and the breadth and the height of your love. Lord, so just be among us and um, Lord, just speak tonight. We love you, God, and we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name. So, the definition of a liar, according to the Bible, is he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Plain and simple. It says, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the definition of a liar. But to us who accept the truth, have the anointing spoken of in the verses prior in, in, in verse 20. We have that anointing that comes from him because we know the truth and are the opposite of a liar. The definition of Antichrist is he who denies the Father and the Son. That is to say, if we deny the Father, then we deny the Son. It's in complete correlation. But who accepts the Son has the Father also. It's so. How clear is that? Let Just kind of reflect on how clear that little section is because the thing is John knew that he had to hit this point John knew that this epistle would be republished and put on on the Grecian bookshelves there would be amongst the Jewish circles and that people would want to know what truth is remember we talked about in the beginning chapter one how this word the word of God was a mystery to some people to the Greeks, it was a mystery. They, they didn't know. They were just trying to find it through philosophy. And, you know, I mentioned all those quotes, but bottom line, they didn't know. They, they, they felt as if, though, it could never be attained. And to the Jew, it was something that was, you know, talked about. Like, we talk about, you know, Facebook or something. Like, it was, you know, it was all around us. You know, we always... Um, mention it, you know, we would, the, the Jews would always mention it, thus saith, you know, the Lord, or, you know, they were always looking for a prophet or somebody to give them direction. They were always looking for the word of the Lord. And so here, John just completely makes it clear on all spectrums from the Greek to the Jew of what truth is and how awesome that he just proclaims complete exclusivity to knowing the Father. You know, the, they, the Jews claimed to know the Father, but they denied the Son. So John makes exclusive access to the Father through the Son in both of those verses. He says, only, solely through the Son. It says, um, whoever denies the Son, notice how he starts with the Son, does not have the Father. 
And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So it's all based on the knowledge or the denial of Jesus Christ. Either having Jesus or not having Jesus. That's what it's based on. Either through the acceptance or the denial of the person and work of Jesus can a person either know or deny the Father. Bottom line. Clear, concise, complete formula, right? To knowing the Father. There it is. If you want to know the Father, there's a formula in verse 23. Verse 24. <clears throat> Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. Therefore, let this truth be in your heart. Let it resonate. Let it swell up, as Brian was praying. Let Jesus swell up in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul, and in your strength, that we would really know how to love our God with our heart, our mind, our soul, and in our strength. If He is completely saturating every piece of our life, wherever we're at, then obviously we're going to smell like Him, we're going to talk like Him, we're going to be like Him, and we're going to see people saved, because that's what He did. We will have His heart, we will have His state of mind will be so resonating in our hearts. It would be so just completely just cutting out, you know, the pieces that don't need to be there. All the stuff that doesn't need to be there. It's just going to start that, that purification process in our hearts that we would be more like Him. That's His will. You know, oh, I'm praying for the will of the Lord. Well, are you like Jesus? Because that's the will of the Father, that you would be like Jesus, that you would be his mirror image, that you would be the complete replica of him in genuineness and be authentic in your faith, not just, okay, I'm just imitating somebody just for fun. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm a mime or something, you know, it's not like that. Um, but from the day that which we tasted, that truth that we heard, from the day that we saw and we tasted that the Lord is good, from the day that our sins were separated as far as the east is from the west, from the second that that word pierced through bone and marrow, from that day forth, this gospel of reconciliation, we should be in the right path in, in letting this gospel that we heard perfect us. Right? Because He who has begun to work in us will perfect it. It's not like we're going backwards from the point that we started. We're, we're going towards glory and greater glory. We're, we're, we should be headed more towards the light that our shadow just begins cast out. Our shadow begins disappearing. And so, you know, the things that come with this is what we talked about in, in chapter 1 and that our joy may be full and these things we write to you that your joy may be full that you would know the son that you would know the father that this word hasn't changed it's not like some mystery you know jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and so we just need to live in that and just have joy with the fullness thereof that's it you know, that you continue to fall deeper um, in deeper love with Jesus, that you continue in the, the fat and the fatness of Christianity that we talked about last week, that we would have greater intimacy between us and our Savior. Bottom line, this is the message that should abide in us. 
that should be made at home, just like Jesus was um, made flesh and dwelt among us, so this word should be made active and dwell in us. You know, it shouldn't just be, you know, we write, you know, we say, you know, the psalm, psalmist said that I'm going to write my word, your, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yeah, it could be there. I could t- tattoo everything to me, every word that's spoken to me. But if it's not active, it's nothing. You know, okay, I have right here, you know, Elohim, familia, and service. Yeah, those are the three things that I stand by. That goes first, that goes second, and that goes third. But when when I switch them around, what is that? I'm a hypocrite. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? So yeah, the word the word of God should be written in our hearts that we should not sin against Him, but it shouldn't just be like an act or a procedure or a routine it should literally be something that is active in our lives that's why we should let god write his word on our hearts that we might not sin against him not for any other reason so it all comes by letting jesus be jesus right letting jesus be made at home in our hearts as we talk about that word abide is to be made at home you know, we, we want Jesus to be made at home in every room of this vessel, every room in this temple of the Holy Spirit. He should be free to go into every room of our house, every room where the Holy Spirit dwells. He should be able to enter and have his way with it. If he wants to chill in that room, that's fine. That area of our lives, if if he wants to reign that place for for a little bit, and you need to deny yourself, then let it be. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cool. So we should be able to discern and be able to clean house in the places of our lives where stuff is just taking over the throne of Jesus. You know, we we should be able to discern that. And what I'm talking about is if you flip, I'm pretty sure it'll probably be like two pages to uh, the left. First Peter chapter four, not too far. Um, just going to read verses one through six. It says therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Idolatries, yeah. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel which preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to the God in the spirit. How powerful is that? I was that, you know, and I got, I got talk, so much trash was talked about me. when I, Dude, this guy called me God. He's like, what's up, God? Because he thought that I had changed so much from one point to the next. He's like, dude, this is guy is like walking Jesus or something. Because, yeah, I used to run with him. I used to be as he was. And this whole 
just change of life that Jesus did in me. It was so radical. And people couldn't believe it. People thought I was doing it to um, be able to date Carol. Or people thought I was doing it because, you know, I had a, a big breakup beforehand and I needed a crutch. You know, and I, I couldn't respond to that. It just, it hurt me. Like, I was like, dude, but Jesus, you did this. You totally changed my life. And people are just making fun of me. People are, uh, they think it's not genuine. And that's what radically changed me. That's what made me realize that not only, yeah, did I read the word and did I say I was a Christian, but I had to act like it. I had to be serious about representing the Lord. I couldn't, I couldn't go and try to, you know, be a halfway Christian at a halfway house. Or I couldn't go to a place where, you know, they would still feed me little doses of drugs just to wean me over, wean me off of them. You know, I couldn't go to those places. I couldn't go and pretend that, you know, I was something that I once was. But on Sunday, I would sit in a pew and sing songs. I couldn't do that anymore. I had to really decide whether I was for Jesus or for myself. I had to. And, you know, there's going to come a point in your life where, you know, you might have to make that decision again. And I hope it doesn't happen, but maybe it will. And just remember, like, the goodness of the Lord. Just remember all the stuff. Make sure that we contrast. Because I've had those doubts. You know that point of initiation that I was talking about last last week? I didn't get into it, and I should have. But it's that time, that first like three months of your of your Christian life, where you know the first couple weeks is gravy. You're just basking in grace and mercy, and you you're just in worship, and you know what that is. But then later, it's like the parable of the sower. You really find out what ground you were on. Whether if you were on the road or on stony places or among the thorns, you know, and, and you can get kicked around. You can get kicked around by winds of doctrine. You can get kicked around by people. You can get kicked around by, you know, your own ambitions. And you could start off in the thorns and, 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 and it looks like you're going to be good. And all of a sudden you're like, boom, you're in a stony place. And it's tough. And all of a sudden, the cares of this world just start choking the life out of you. And, you know, God forbid that we ever have to make that decision again. But if it does, make sure you weigh the balances. Make sure that you know that the hour, it is the last hour. That our, our salvation and our Savior does draw near closer than you think you know we have to live in that urgency you know we need to abide we need to abide and we need to abide like it's forever not just like a temporal season in our life that i always talk about but contrast verse 17 to 25 it says verse 17 and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of god abides forever now verse 25 
It says, and this is a promise that he has promised us eternal life. It's no mystery. It's like God is so infinitely in love with us that he has and is willing to keep fighting for us. If you decide to one day that you do have to make that decision again, just remember that God is still fighting for you. That's not like he's left you or forsake or forsook you. You know, he's still fighting for you. His son still died on the cross for you. And it's just like, I, I need, I'm preaching to myself right now, people. Because I need to keep this at the forefront of my life. Because I know that it's dangerous ground. He is willing, he was willing to give up fellowship with his son. He was willing to separate himself from his only son. As Romans 5.18 said, you know, that through one act of righteousness, we will now have access to the Father. Through one act, through His complete, 100% pure sacrifice, unspotted lamb, not one broken bone, completely white as the snow, that that act of righteousness would then grant us again communion with the Father. That we would again walk with Him just like Adam and Eve did before the fall. That we would again be in complete communion with Him. That sin would really be rendered powerless in the separation between God and man. We need to be confident in walking in that. In, in an eternal walk. Walking towards eternity and not towards mortality you know we need to have that complete confidence because god is really infinitely in love with us he is infinitely and eternally in love with us and he extends us an invitation to be infinitely present with him not only are his promises we talk about his promises they are everlasting they are faithful and true they do aid us in our temporal state of mind we have this state of mind that's feeble that's temporal we're always thinking of the stuff right here in front of us and we don't look at the big picture but if we really grabbed hold of the fact that god is so infinitely in love with us that he wants to see us in eternity we would realize that hey this love was expensive and it still is expensive you know we must abide in him and let the evidence of our love for jesus be manifested in every nook and cranny of our hearts of our lives of this temple that we that i keep on talking about you know when the storm comes when you know stuff's hitting the fan when drama is just everywhere you know we need to realize that our house is built on the rock we didn't go we didn't go and buy from from men to build a rock, a house on a sand on sand we didn't go and we didn't go and, and talk to buddha we didn't go and talk to uh gandhi we didn't go and talk to thus and so we just went and we went straight to jesus and we said jesus let give me the materials i want my house on the rock that when the storm comes that when everything is going wrong i can rely in this place in this refuge sort of say that you may cover me and clothe me in righteousness. And even though I am sinful, man, Lord, your righteousness would just cover me. 
and your mercy and grace would cover me and it would help me go through these storms and would keep me in a safe haven. And yeah, that since I'm trusting in you, you will mount me up on wings like an eagle and you will help me go through this stuff. You know, that's the kind of trust that's that that comes by abiding in him. That's the kind of trust that, you know, the, the Lord is is just willing to give us, just reciprocate just more to us by by us trusting in him. You know, he was uh, faithful in the little things. He will just give you more stuff, but you can handle it. He's not giving it to you. He's not setting you up for failure. You know, it's those who trust in the Lord are like strong mountains. They are like Mount Zion. They will not be moved. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are those those storms and those people that are going to come and they're going to try to move you. Just like all those people that I encountered through those first six months of my salvation. There are going to be those people that are going to come and it even talks about it. Right here in verse 26. It says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. I wish I would have went back to First John chapter 1. That I wouldn't have trouble dealing with these people. That wouldn't. I wish, you know, God would have revealed all this stuff to me when I was a baby Christian. Maybe I wouldn't have lost intimacy with him. Maybe I wouldn't have lost all that time with him. You know, getting caught up in my stuff as a quote-unquote Christian. You know, they come and they try to they try to deceive you, maybe not just with the stuff of this world, maybe not just questioning your salvation, but they try to deceive you maybe with another gospel. Maybe they try to give you the Jesus plus blank gospel. Mm-hmm. Maybe they try to just, you know, glorify themselves. You know, yeah, come unto me. You know, they don't come unto Jesus. Come unto me. I have this cool word. I have, you know, an extra biblical uh, theocracy. That's okay. Yeah, it acknowledges Jesus, but there's more than just Jesus. Are you kidding me? It's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, we have to realize that we we have barbecues for this, but we have to realize that being a Berean is real. That's what we're called to do. Ephesians 4 and Acts 17, it's there. Being a Berean is completely real. You know, we are to be strong in the Lord. We're to be immovable as Mount Zion, as we talked about, because we really do trust in Him. You know, we we see these winds of doctrine coming to and fro. The biggest one right now, the emergent church, just taking over America. And yeah, because an emergent church calls themselves Christian, now America really is, quote-unquote, 80% Christian because 80% of America likes the emergent church. But really, when, 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 when the storm comes, are their houses built on the rock or on the sand? Do they love Jesus? Do they know their Savior? Do they know, do they have access to the Father? Are they being taught that? May it never be here. May we always stick to the infallible, inerrant word of God. 
all day, every day, till the day we die, 24-7. I can go on. You know, we must hold fast, as Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye the kingdom of God. You know, this is the kingdom of God. Here is the kingdom of God. Read it, know it, front to back. And all of, you know, just by doing this, all everything will be met. All of our needs, spiritually, physically, you know, he cares about the ravens. Why not us? You know, and we have a God, again, that infinitely loves us, but that also equips us for every good work that we should walk in it. And how did we equip us? How did he equip us? I'm sorry. When, when did that plan start? When, when, when was that? It was at the leaving of Jesus Christ from his earthly ministry. In John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Jesus said, it is for your good. It is for your prosperity that I go away. For I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He says, if I go, did he go, yes or no? Amen, right? Most proven fact in world history that Jesus Christ uh, died and rose again. Secular source, the Smithsonian. You know, but it was because we needed a teacher here on earth. It's because we needed a God that would dwell in us. That's the Holy Spirit. We have a God that dwells outside of eternity. We have a God that came to humanity and is now back in eternity. But now we needed a God that dwells in us. And that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. John fourteen twenty six it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Everything that Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit will be manifest in your life. Will make real everything that is of the Father's business. He will bring it to remembrance. He will place it in your heart. He will write on your heart that you might not sin against God. Because that's his dwelling place. That's where he is made at home. The Holy Spirit was alongside of us at one point but he was dying to get inside of us verse 27 <clears throat> but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. This anointing that we've received from, from Jesus abides in us. It is made home in us. It is in us. It has settled into our mortal being and begun an eternal work. It is settled in, into mortality, preparing us for immortality. Because our God had to go. He had to leave this earth that he might send to us and impart to us the Holy Spirit that he might teach us. He is a teacher of all things. I'm not the teacher of all things. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I might be filled with it at times. And through that, I can teach you, but I'm not going to teach you the, 
entirety of who Jesus is. That's between you and God. That's not my responsibility. Thank you, Lord. But the thing is that those necessities, he will teach. He will teach everything that you need to go on. All the basics of life. He will teach those things. This Christian life is not tedious in the fact that we have to go to a school and be taught all these rules, policies, procedures that one day we might graduate with a 4.0. But it is beautiful in the fact that the teacher of all things schools us, educates us in reciprocating the infinite love of the Father, knowing that our genuine, finite love for Him is just enough. Think about that. He infinitely loves us and only asks for our infinite love in return. All we have to do is reciprocate it back. And he's like, it's enough. You don't need to love me infinitely because I know you can't. But I will prepare you for that work when you come through those gates. We have a choice to let the deity of the Spirit be made manifest in our lives. Or, on the flip side, to choke the life out of the Spirit. Everything that the Spirit is about, we can either choose to accept it and have it be made real in our lives, or we can just deny it and choke every single juice, every single um, aspect of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. But the will of God is that we would continue to abide in him, that the spirit would continue to teach us, that he would continue being our helper as he promised us. That we would not be deceived. That is going back to the, one of the verses beforehand, that we would not be deceived, mm -hmm. that we would stand strong in all that we believe and be confident in the, in the scriptures, because those are them who testify of Jesus. Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. <sighs> two communities. There are two sects, of group, uh, two sects of people in this. Those who will have confidence and those who will have shame at his coming. Both sects will either experience shame or glory at his coming. Both sects, their climax and their culmination of life will be manifested on that day when he comes back. The very fact is that he is coming. That is, that is a point where it goes down or it goes up. That is a point where... Life will come to a point, it would be a mountaintop. And it's either going to be in shame or it's going to be in glory. And those are the two types of people that are pointing out here. But the thing is, is like, what if we're caught halfway, halfway in and halfway out? What if we're caught with, the cook, with our hands in the cookie jar? Yeah, please don't. For reals, like, that would, that would not be good. That would just, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be really bad. You know, he's done so much for us. He's so infinitely in love for us. He only asks us to respond in finite ways. 
and yet, you know, we're really going to fail at the end? Really? You know, please don't. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Do you know that he is righteous? Do we know that he is holy, that he is pure? You know, if we do, we must act like it. We must take Jesus seriously. We must clothe ourselves in his righteousness that people would really know that we are his disciples, that we would really love people, and that would then mark us as his disciples. You know, that the world would, be, would know that we are born of him, that the stranger outside the gates would know the God that we worship, just like in the Old Testament, that they would bring in the stranger just to look and see what the Jews were practicing, that maybe they would get saved. Maybe they would be justified by faith. Maybe they, they would be those faithful people that were justified by just having the faith in Elohim. Just like that, we are to bring the stranger from outside the gates and just love on them and just show them that Jesus really is deity, that he really is God, that he really died and rose again. That they would see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. That's it. That the stranger would realize what we do and just give glory to God even though he doesn't know him. Conclusion, we will have the greatest encounter with God who will be changed by Him if we choose to abide in Him and let Him abide in us. He wants to. He sent His Holy Spirit to dwell in us. The Spirit wants to be alive and active in us, but we are the ones who have Him in a chokehold sometimes. We're the ones who are, who, are, who are begging Him to stop fighting against our soul. We're, we're the ones who are like, I give up. I want, I want death. We're the ones who choose that. It's our responsibility to react upon His promises, upon everything that He said in this Word. It's our responsibility to say yes and amen or to deny it. You know, we have the choice to experience a lack or an abundance of God. We have the responsibility of choosing that. But when the Spirit dwells in us, when we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, when we are walking in one accord, when we're walking in unison and complete unity with the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, abundance. We encounter God in an abundant way. Not just little bits here and there. He takes over the land. He takes over every piece of our heart. You know, we're not set up for failure. We're not left as, or as orphans because He left. He left and then sent His Spirit. And 3,000 people got saved. He is the teacher of all things. He will, dis he will aid us in discerning authentic Christian doctrine from those which serve, those other things that serve as just a tickling device. The Holy Spirit will aid us in discerning which Christian doctrines are right and which just serve as a feather, just tickling our ears. 
We need just need to let the Spirit do work in our lives. We need to let the Spirit just be manifested and be real within us that through it, we just would know Jesus better. That was the point because that's all the Holy Spirit is going to talk about is Jesus. So if we let the Spirit talk to us, if we let the Spirit teach us, it's going to be all about the Lord. You know, we, we talked last week about the intimacy with Jesus, and that's beautiful. But we should have an equal intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because that's the God that we have here on this earth in us. Preparing us for that place when we go and we go to worship the Lord. Just recognize that importance. Recognize the reality behind that importance. Acknowledge that it's a it's a driving factor in this plan of redemption. Redemption. It's one of the bullet points that God had when Him, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus sat down to make this plan work. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser God. As we look back at verse twenty-seven, just all those things that were listed there. I mean. Dude, we realize that, you know, the Holy Spirit, we can't we can't put something else there. We can't replace the Holy Spirit with a commentary. We can't replace the Holy Spirit with, you know, extra biblical doctrines. We can't replace the Holy Spirit with anything. He's a God. He is part of deity. And they're all equal. He is a teacher of all things. He is a helper and he will teach us everything we need to know of the Father and the Son. And I'll stop beating the cow now. You know, we just need to get schooled by by the Spirit. We need to just take in everything. We need to sit in that classroom in our little quiet place and just love those times with the Spirit. Love those times with Jesus. As he just everything just culminates in just him being glorified and him being at the throne of our hearts. That's all we're going to learn. <laughs> so let's do it. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's your word, Lord, is alive and active, Lord. Lord, but we need it to dwell in us. Lord, we need it to just infiltrate and take over every piece of our lives, that every piece of our lives would be alive and active, that it would continue to be an effective tool in your plan, Lord, in the in the things that are good, in the things that the thoughts that you have for us, Lord, just everything that you have for us, your will for our lives, Lord, that every piece of our body would be alive and active, that we wouldn't have any dead members or limp members, Lord. Lord, just send your Spirit to cure us, to heal heal that that dry land wherever it may be in our lives. Lord, just come and teach us more of you. Lord, we want more of you, Lord. Lord, we want more of you. That's our goal in this life, to know you better, that you would continue in this plan of perfection, that we would continue in this plan that leads to your glory. Oh, we love you and we just thank you for this time in Jesus name Amen okay. is correct